Isaiah chapter 53, starting at verse 1. I would like you to read this with me, if you could. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? I want us to read that again. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Amen. Who's going to believe this report that is about to be presented today? And to what individual do we see the mighty hand of God fall upon? Who would like the mighty hand of God to break through the clouds of heaven and to pierce through the atmosphere and to be right above your head? The question is posed by the prophet of God, who is going to believe this report? In fact, the answer is within the question of these two questions back to back of who believes this report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The arm of the Lord is revealed to those who believe the report. God is going to stretch out his hand today upon somebody that believes the report that is brought to you today. How many want the mighty hand of God to be cast over you today? Someone clap your hands to the Lord. Isaiah 53 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, and I'd love to read all of it, but I'm going to just read a couple verses here, and then we'll pray in a moment as we're going to go to Mark chapter 16 after that. But verse 4 in the same chapter of Isaiah Reads this, surely why, of course, he hath borne our griefs or carried upon himself our sicknesses. He carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But that's not what was going on. What was going on is Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. See, if you're going to always play the blame game and saying someone else's fault you're in your situation then this prophecy is not going to help you out because this prophecy is for those who say it's our iniquity it's our sickness it's our problem if you're going to say they sinned and they put me in this situation it's their fault i got incarcerated it's it's their fault that i was raised drunk it's their fault that i was this type of person you're not going to get this prophecy who hath believed our report and to who is the arm of the lord revealed to those who say it's my transgression it's my sickness i want god's arm to be extended towards me today someone say in jesus name see we have our iniquities forgiven because he was bruised he was wounded and the chastisement of our peace we are in a society today that is ever so longing and looking for peace and the bible says it's upon him and with his stripes the whipping that jesus took we are healed that is a statement of faith Not to say I will be healed, but to say I 
am healed. That is in the present tense. That is a bold proclamation. Not saying I hope to be healed. I beg to be healed. I wish to be healed. I am healed. There's nothing wrong with standing flat-footed with your shoulders back and looking God square in the eye and just quoting his promise to him. With your stripes, I am healed. I believe God's word. Someone believe it? We're going to read one more portion of Scripture, and we're going to pray. Mark chapter 16. We read the prophecy, and now we read post-fulfillment. Jesus Christ has died. Jesus Christ has been buried. Now he is risen. And so in this resurrection account of Jesus, now back alive after plundering hell, he is He is out of the tomb. The stone was rolled away. And he begins to appear to people. And he is shocking everyone. What's funny about that is it shouldn't be a shock because he informed everybody repetitively about it. God just kept saying to them, look, I'm going to be rejected. I'm going to be despised. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. On the third day, I'm going to come back. And so still, even with all that information, people are absolutely shocked. And so now in verse 9, the Bible says Jesus was risen the first day of the week. That is today, this Sunday. He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he cast seven devils. I don't care if you think that there's some sort of gender inequality in the Word of God. That simply isn't true. Jesus Christ first appeared to a woman. And I don't care how many devils and evil you've had in your life. He appeared first to someone that had seven times as many devils as you think you've ever had in your life. And so he appears first to her. And in verse 10, she goes and she tells everybody that was mourning and weeping about the loss of Jesus. And when they heard that he was alive, And that she saw him. What does the Bible say? They didn't believe it. They didn't even believe it. Here she was an eyewitness person who was weeping and mourning with everyone else. And she runs back to him and tells the report. Who hath believed our report? They did not believe the report. In verse 12, Jesus appears in another form unto two others. And as they're walking and they're going in the country, and after Jesus appears to them, they go and they tell it to the rest of everyone else. And what does the Bible say? As two other people now see Jesus alive and resurrected, it says, neither believed they them. Who hath believed our report? And afterward, Jesus appeared to the eleven. The 11 apostles, the chosen ones, and they sat and they meet. And look what Jesus had. He's sitting right in front of them, eating with them, dining with them. And he's still having to shake doubt out of them because they still have unbelief in them. They had hardness of You imagine Jesus Christ standing right in front of you after you saw him lifted up off the earth on a cross, bleeding, pierced in the side, blood and water flow out from that side, and he gives his last breath and screams out, it is finished, and then the earth shakes, people come out of the grave, a ta- uh, the veil in the temple was torn in two, and the sky was darkened, all of that. And now he's in front of you, and you still are like, I don't know about this. I'm not really sure. 
So sometimes we think that if I would just see Jesus, if I would just hear him audibly, if I would just get a sign, then I would believe. The apostles eating with post-resurrection Jesus, and they still are struggling with their faith after he was risen. I want to preach to you for the next couple moments on this resurrection morning. Do you believe what you believe? Let's ask God to talk to us. Jesus, we love you. You're so awesome, God. Lord, we celebrate today the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Lord, that same power 2,000 years ago is alive and prevalent today. And I believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, according to your word and the confirmation of it, we are going to see it evident here today. There's going to be evidence of resurrection power in this room, in this region, in Watertown, South Dakota. I pray you open up the windows of heaven roll back the roof of this church and set a ladder between heaven and earth and let the holy and the divine the angels of the lord ascend and descend upon that ladder in this geographical location in the name of jesus and someone sh- say in jesus name if you believe god's going to do a mighty work would you clap your hands to the lord with faith As I look across this audience, I am familiar with the majority of you to some extent and degree. And at least I am aware of this information that at least from conversation past and things that you have confessed and done in this church, you are a group of believers. You believe what has been preached and presented. You are a believer of Jesus Christ. You are a believer in the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I want to kind of probe a little bit today and ask you if you really believe what you believe. A lot of people with their lips give honor to Jesus. And a lot of people, even we we like to say they and them and others. But I don't want you thinking about others. I want you to think about yourself today because I'm not preaching to others. I'm preaching to you. I am talking to individuals today that are believers. But I want you to even further look into your belief and ask yourself if you really do believe what you believe. Because If they struggled with belief back then, and we're 2,000 years removed from what occurred, we might struggle a little bit at times too. In fact, it takes greater faith. For That's what Jesus said in the last chapter of John as he was talking to the disciples. He had to basically talk to them and, you know, when... when, uh, um, Uh, Thomas fell down in John chapter 20, verse 28, and he said, my Lord and my God. You know, it was an awesome declaration of revelation of who Jesus was. But he was determined, I'm not going to believe until I physically see him and am able to put my finger through that hole in his hand and that, that, that pierced side. I won't believe it. And Jesus said, look, man, blessed are you. I'm glad you believe now. I'm glad that you have experienced this and you have the revelation that I am the mighty God in Christ. 
But I want to make certain and make this known and that it would be forever scribed into heaven's uh, uh, archives that the greater belief is those who believe and never have seen me. Those that are going to live a thousand years, two thousand years. See, it takes greater faith for you than it did for Peter, James, or John. I know you may feel like I don't really qualify myself as an apostle Paul or an apostle Peter. I don't fall into those ranks. And there's elements of their lives that, yes, we definitely are so far away from their level of sacrifice, their level of all in, their level of just laying down their very lives. There is no one in this room that has paid the ultimate price as a martyr for Jesus Christ. And yet, these guys here, Jesus said the greater faith and the greater blessing is going to be upon a generation who never was even on this earth when my feet treaded upon this earth. It takes an enormous amount of faith. Every day that goes by, every second that passes on your watch, it is a higher level of faith and persuasion and a belief to stand there and tell someone without hesitation, yes, I believe Jesus walked this earth. And yes, I believe he died on the cross. And yes, I believe he was God in the flesh. And yes, I believe he's the only way, the truth, and the life. And yes, I believe he was in that grave for three days. And yes, I'm absolutely, positively persuaded that he got up on the third day. He came back to life and he ascended up into heaven. It takes a tremendous amount of faith and commitment to do that. I know you're probably not comfortable doing this, but if you believe that, would you give yourselves a hand? It's incredible to consider that you so blindly believe that. It takes an enormous leap of faith to stay with persuasion. I believe that Jesus walked this earth, was killed, and he was raised from the dead on the third day. We even read that in the first century church that they struggled. The apostle Paul had to encourage the Corinth church about this, this doctrine called the resurrection. In verse 12, 1 Corinthians 15, he says, look, if Christ has preached that he rose from the dead, how come there's some of you guys in the church saying there's no resurrection of the dead? There's no afterlife. If there's no resurrection of the dead, then Jesus Christ is not risen. And if Jesus Christ is not risen, our preaching's a waste of time, and your faith is a waste. In verse 15, he says, look, and I'm just flat out a liar, because I'm telling you that Jesus Christ did rise from the dead. But if there's no resurrection, then Jesus did not rise from the dead. And if the dead do not rise again, then Christ is not raised. And if Christ is not raised, your faith is vain ye are yet in your sins we say a line in a lot of songs and we make this phrase in a lot of witnessing and doctrines and statements when we talk to people and they make this statement the finished work of the cross and 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 it was in that song victor's crown at the cross the work was finished but really it wasn't finished it was only beginning what jesus was saying is that doctrine did not cease and the cross did not fulfill but what he did at that time on earth of 
of his life, it was complete. It was fulfilled. He finished what he set out to do in the aspect of his life on earth. But it wasn't finished. Because if it was finished, if there is such a doctrine of the finished work of the cross, then there would be no need for a resurrection. But the Apostle Paul gives us revelation. Without the resurrection, the cross means nothing. Without what we celebrate today on an Easter Sunday, or better put, Resurrection Sunday, there is no hope because there's no help. There's no help unless the helper has come, the comforter has come. Jesus Christ said the Holy Ghost, the baptism of the Spirit is impossible unless Jesus died and rose again. Then could the comforter come, the helper. And so we go on reading here as Paul preaches to the church in verse 18. He goes, look, everyone that died, that's fallen asleep, if they have believed in Jesus and they have died and there's no resurrection, they're perished. They're still rotting in the grave and they cease to exist. I guess that theology would be something that's rising again in this day and age uh, when the the Pope just announced uh, uh, that supposedly was that there is no hell. Now, that statement is crazy. It's absolutely ludicrous if there is no hell. If there is no hell, why was there even a cross? Why was there even a resurrection if there is no hell? What did Jesus save us from? But right now, I want you to know there is a heaven and there is a hell. And the beauty is that Jesus plundered hell when he died on that cross. And he went down to the gates of hell. And he knocked on hell's door. And he said, give me those keys. And when he got the keys he left and he told the church that I now have power over death and life and I have the keys to death, hell, and the grave. You want to know how powerless the devil is over a blood-bought Christian? The devil doesn't even have the keys to his own house. Jesus Christ can make sure he locks it up where you can't go into that place. We are blessed by Jesus Christ, who is blood and his resurrection. He's plundered hell. Satan has no jurisdiction over a Christian. We overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and the Word. Hallelujah. You tell me who's greater, the one who has the house or the one who has keys to the house. It doesn't matter that, it, you know, the Satan's hanging out in hell and he's trying to torment folk. I'm telling you, Jesus has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And everybody that he would like to lock into hell, Jesus can unlock that gate at any time. And with that mighty hand and outstretched arm, he could pull someone out of the pit of hell and he could place them into heavenly places. I'm thankful. I'm thankful I believe that report. And I tell you who the arm of the Lord has revealed. It's revealed revealed to those who believe what I'm telling you today. This report of a resurrection. This is resurrection Sunday. And it's resurrection every day. Jesus Christ is alive. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, I wish someone would celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I thank you, God. I thank you, God. I give you praise. I give you glory. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I thank you, God. I thank you, 
God. Someone shout praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Do you believe what you believe? I know you can say you believe in Jesus, but it sure takes some ludicrous faith for you to say, I believe that he came back to life after being dead for three days. That's a tall task to believe. And if in this life only, this is some of those beautiful literature you can read that Paul says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If religion is all we got on this side of eternity, we are the most miserable people because we're living a lie. This would be the most wasted moment today is if we believe or, or we, we come here and we just kind of go through this emotion and this routine and tradition, but deep down we don't really consider the fact that a resurrection is scientifically impossible. It's nuts. It's crazy. It's, it, it don't happen. But yet we're going to say it did happen. And not only that it did happen, but it's going to happen again. Because we who are alive and remain and the dead in Christ, all we're going to rise again when that trumpet sounds and Jesus Christ comes back. It takes crazy faith to believe that. Turn to your neighbor, poke him and ask him, do you believe what you believe? I mean, come on, shake him a little bit. Say, do you really believe that Jesus came back to life. Look him in the eyes. Do you really believe that people are going to come out of the grave and go up into heaven? Do you really believe that you might be alive when Jesus comes back through those clouds? Do you really believe that you're going to lift up off the earth and you're going to stand on streets of God? Do you really believe that? That takes some immense faith to believe such a thing. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16 When the even was come, they brought to Jesus all those possessed with devils. And he cast out those spirits with his word. That's why we got to be people of the word. Say in the word, man. The word is going to prevail against any spirit that would try to overtake you. And Jesus healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet we just read. Himself, Jesus, took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Isaiah 53 is one of the most referenced prophecies in the Scripture. Time and time again, it is referenced. I remember being at Indiana Bible College, and there was a missionary at Guam or Ghana that came through, and he was, it was just a powerful service. And after service, I was weeping. He came to me, talked to me, and one of the things he told me to do, he goes, I, he goes one of the most important portions of Scripture you can memorize as a man of God is Isaiah 53. And I took him to that, and I read and reread and reread and reread and reread Isaiah 53 every single day and memorized that Scripture, that portion, that whole chapter. It is absolutely powerful. Jesus kept referring to it five, seven times, kept referring back to Isaiah 53. And the people and the, the, the apostles would refer to it in their epistles and letters, letters to the church. And so Jesus was fulfilling this prophecy we read about in the beginning of Scripture. But look, a couple chapters later in chapter 13 of Matthew, verse 57 58, he's back in his hometown after preaching in the synagogue, after reading the scrolls of Isaiah to them. And the Bible says they were offended in him. Because they were like, wait, 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 he's a carpenter's son. We know his parents, Mary and Joseph. We know this, uh, that it's potentially that it's an illegitimate, you know, birth because, you know, supposedly she was a virgin. But we know, you know, babies don't come from virgins. We know that's not possible. 
And Jesus said to them, a prophet's not without honor, saving his own country. He says, look, uh, people are listening and paying respect when I'm out and about. But when I come back to my hometown territory, I don't get much respect around here. And so look at this. He didn't do many mighty works there. Why? Because of their unbelief. They believed in his existence, but they didn't believe in his preexistence, so to speak. Now, Jesus Christ was not eternally, uh, uh, he he was only begotten once in the flesh. But Jesus Christ said, before Abraham was, I am. He was the great I am. Before Abraham was, I am. And so they believed that, you know, yes, he was Mary and Joseph boy, but they didn't really believe that he was the prophecy fulfillment of Isaiah. As it says in Isaiah 9, 6, unto us a son is born, unto us a child is given, and the government's going to be upon his shoulders, and you're going to call him Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. Not, not just, he's not just a son, he is the everlasting father he is the god almighty incarnate and so they did not believe that aspect about jesus christ and so jesus remember the question we're asking here from isaiah 53 who hath believed this report and to whom is the arm of the lord revealed those that were healed and those that had the arm revealed were those who believed the report about jesus christ but anytime you don't believe with absolute faith concerning the report and the testimony of Jesus Christ. That arm is returned. And you are not getting the arm of the Almighty extended out to you. I want to encourage somebody today to dig down deep and have an increase of faith swelling inside of you. For if you could ever have an abundance of faith you are going to see an abundance of the arm of the Lord revealed in your life. God works when faith is active in an audience, in a group of people and so Jesus who performed mighty miracles all over the land he went to a region where there was not faith and so the arm of the Lord was not revealed to them for they did not believe Isaiah's report I wonder if I'm in a church today that believes the report let God be true let every man be liar come on does somebody want to see the arm of the Lord revealed to this church today when someone shout praise the Lord Mm. the Holy Ghost is here today do you really believe what you believe as Paul told the church in Rome chapter 10 verses 14 through 17 how are people going to call upon Jesus whom they have not believed and how can they believe in him whom they've not heard and how should they hear without a preacher Look, if you want to see the arm of the Lord revealed, you got to reveal the name of the Lord to people that have never heard it before. If we ever want to see the arm of the Lord revealed, we got to start being disciples, but we got to start making disciples. For the commission was not for just the disciples to go around and say, well, I, guess what? I was a disciple, you know, I was... I was, I sat at the feet of Jesus while he was alive and, you know, and I'm kind of a big deal. No, he commissioned them. Don't go about just telling people you're a disciple and keep to yourself. Go make disciples. Go make disciples. He commissioned them. And so they cannot believe unless they receive and they cannot have the arm revealed unless we reveal the name of whose arm that is and Jesus Christ is his name. But the Bible says in verse 15, how can they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace that bring glad tidings of good things but they have not all obeyed the gospel 
is he quotes Isaiah 53. Who hath believed our report? See, the arm of the Lord is only revealed that, to those who believe the report of the Lord. But people that do not believe the report of the Lord, there's some that simply don't believe the report because they've been never given the report. We have to give the resurrection report to somebody. We got to let somebody know Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And because he got up, you're going to be able to get up. You don't have to let your enemy rejoice over you. Because I know you've fallen, but you shall arise. Because the arm of the Lord is about to be revealed in your life. There's somebody here today, you keep falling back into the same pit of despair. But if you would believe what I'm preaching to you right now, the arm of the Lord is about to be revealed to somebody. If you're here and you've yet to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, if you would believe this report about the resurrection, power of the Holy Ghost. The arm of the Lord is about to be revealed to you today. If you're here and you're in sickness and you would just simply believe the report of the Lord, the blood of Jesus Christ speaks better things. The arm of the Lord is about to be revealed to somebody today. If you want that arm to be extended towards you, would you extend your arms towards heaven right now? And would you reach out for with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm for his mighty hand and his outstretched arm right now? Come on, reach out into heaven. And why don't you just pull down that report and put it into your heart and say, I believe this report in Jesus' name. Uh, Turn to your neighbor tell him, I believe what I believe. Do you? Do you believe what you believe? See, this is so important we come to church. If you're here and you're sketchy on attendance, the reason why you need to be faithful and consistent with your attendance on Sunday church is because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The reason why you're more prone or likely to believe these crazy reports is when you show up to hear the report. Man, I know we can read our, we need to read our Bible every single day on our own, but I still want to get the report. You know, there's, there's, there's all that information out there uh, for the world to, to learn, to hear, to listen, to glean, but they still come for that press report at the, from the president's office as the White House because they want to hear it from that podium. They want to hear the official report. And I'm here today, and I don't say it's arrogant or cocky or whatever, but God has officiated me in this position as pastor to present a report to this region, to this church. And I'm here to let you know your faith is about to come because you're hearing the word. And as you hear the word of the Lord, you're going to believe the report of the Lord. And God is about to extend an arm out to somebody who believes what is being preached here today. Would somebody receive this report right now? Would somebody believe this report right now? God is about to reveal his arm. Someone shout praise the Lord. The more you come to church, the more likely you are to believe the report. Unless you come to church and you just kind of ignore the report. But see, you have the opportunity. If you're used to coming here in attendance and just kind of going through the motion, just not really getting active or involved in the service, yes, you can have a decrease of faith because you see things not happening in your world. But if you would just ever step out of your world and your convenience and what you're accustomed to and you 
you would just begin to listen to the report and do what the report says. Then the Holy Ghost will come upon you. You may not feel the Holy Ghost right now. You may not feel much of anything right now. And you can say, I, I haven't felt anything because I keep coming to church and I just feel empty and void. But I promise you right now, God's report is true. Whether you feel it or not, the report is true. It is there. It is written. It is written. It is forever settled in heaven. It is forever settled in heaven. God's word is archived for eternity. It is there. It is God breathed. It's alive and active for you today. But here's the thing. You got to just simply by faith say, I'm going to believe it and I'm going to step out on it. I don't feel nothing, but I'm going to faith it. I'm going to step out by faith and believe. I don't need goosebumps right now. I don't need prompting right now. I'm just going to say God's report is true. And so since I believe God's report is true, I know his report says that God's looking for true worshipers. I know his report says that God lives in praise. I know that his report says that when God's in the presence of people, there is liberty. I know his report says in his presence is fullness of joy. And so whether or not I feel the report, I know the report is true. So I'm just going to clap my hands anyways. I'm just going to lift my hands regardless. I'm just going to shout unto God with a voice of triumph anyways. And as you do that, the arm of the Lord is revealed. I'm talking to somebody here today. You have not seen the arm of the Lord revealed, but but just trust this report that I'm giving you right now. If you would just simply humble yourself and obey, and you would just step out, God's arm is about to be revealed into your world if you would just believe the report. It does not say feel the report. It says believe the report. Be persuaded of the report. You don't have to feel married to be married. I am legally married. There is an official document out there. I am a married man, whether I have the feeling of marriage or not. Jesus' blood, you may have never seen it 2,000 years ago. Jesus' footsteps, you may have never seen them 2,000 years ago, but it is written. It is forever settled. And I'm telling you, the report is true. Do you believe what you believe? Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Let me ask you today, who wants God's arm to be revealed to you today? Because look, here's what Jesus Christ is offering us. He is about to lift off of you your griefs, your sicknesses, your physical ailments to carry your sorrow. Yes, it looks like he was getting beaten, abused, afflicted. But see, the purpose of it was for your transgressions, your iniquities. It's so you can have peace. You say, well, I don't feel peace. And you don't know what I've been through. You don't understand what I'm, I I don't know what you've been through. I don't understand. I can't relate to some of you all stories. I haven't had the same, uh, uh, some of the same hangovers as some of you all had. I haven't had some of the same family losses as some of you had. And I haven't had some of the same marital issues as you have. But that doesn't exempt me or exempt you from a peace that surpasses all understanding. I don't need to understand to get that peace that surpasses understanding. You're not going to be able to rationalize and figure it out. 
out. It's just simply a matter of saying, I believe that report. And that report says his arm is going to reveal itself to me. God's about to reveal his arm if you would believe that report. Somebody, would you just kind of convince yourself right now and search of saying, I believe it. 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 I don't care. I don't need to feel it. I believe it. I don't need to feel it. I believe it. God, I convince it right now. I encourage myself in the Lord right now. I believe it. I believe it. God, I know everyone's standing around me and they're ready to kill me and stone me. But God, I encourage myself in the Lord. I believe your report. You anointed me, God. You appointed me, God. I believe your report. I believe your report. In Jesus' name. The Apostle Paul begins to speak as he's standing trial and he stands before two kings. He says, gives this testimony, and his, his testimony is crazy. It's nuts. I mean, the guys, I'm going to go kill me some Christians, I, you know, then get some Jimmy Johns when I'm done. He's just going kind of go coasting, sharing his story. He's like, I'm going to go kill some people and prison them. And all of a sudden, a light came out of the sky, smote me to the ground. I lost my eyesight. He's sharing some crazy stuff. Nuts. But notice this. Not one time is he interrupted until verse 23. When he talks about the suffering of Christ and that he would be the first to rise from the dead. When he did that, that is when Festus threw a fit. And he, it says he spoke with a loud voice. He started screaming at Paul. He got so worked up about this thing called a resurrection. He didn't, he didn't doubt him about the light from the sky and blinding. He didn't doubt him about killing Christians. He didn't mock him for, for losing his eyesight and being hearing an audible voice from heaven. He didn't mock or ridicule or interrupt any of it. But the moment he said that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, he screamed at him and said, Paul, you're nuts. You're outside your mind, boy. All this learning and studying made you a madman, he says in verse 24. And he corrects him. Paul speaks back. It was as much respect as he could. He said, listen up, noble Festus. I'm not insane. I'm telling you the words of truth. And I am more sober than I've ever been. I'm thinking more clearly than I've ever thought in my life. I know it may look and seem like I'm looking through a glass darkly. But I'm telling you, I've never had life make more sense to me than I do. I know telling people about the resurrection of Jesus Christ sounds completely insane. But it makes more sense to me today than it ever has. It makes more sense to me today than when I was 18 or 25. It makes more sense to me this year than it did last year. As the days go by and I look at all the darkness around this world, I just start saying, even so come. Even so come. I believe the resurrection more than I've ever believed it. I'm persuaded of this truth more than I've ever been persuaded because the prophecies are coming to pass. Men are lovers of themselves. They are lovers of themselves more than they are of God. People we're calling good evil and evil good. We are living in the fulfillment of prophecy. I'm more persuaded about the resurrected Savior than I've ever been. I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded. And he said, he turns to the king. 
He's like, you know about these things because this was not done in a corner. I'm so thankful that I'm not part of some secret society religion. This was not done in a corner. God was very open about it. God was very transparent about it. And he goes and he turns to Agrippa like we preached about last week. He says, do you believe the prophets? I know that you believe, but do you believe what you believe? I know you believe the prophets, but do you believe? Do you really believe what those prophets prophesied? I'm looking at a group of believers right now, but do you really believe those prophets? Do you really believe those promises in those bold declarations? Or is it just something that kind of inspires you on a down day? I'm telling you, there's more than just inspiration in those holy written words. There is life in them. There is I don't want to almost be a believer. I want to believe what I believe. Last portion of Scripture, and I'm done. We go back to the book of Mark, chapter 16. After Jesus has to abrade everybody for their unbelief, has to encourage them and, and get them worked up, you know, kind of be the cheerleader. Come on, guys. Look, it's really me. Come on. Come on, look at me. It's me. Give me some fish. Look, do, do, do ghosts eat? Look, I'm eating. It's me. He's having to inspire the people that were closest to him. And finally, after he opens up their understanding, as it says in Luke 24, and they finally start receiving the report. See, when they begin to receive the report, he's ready to extend that arm. And he says, now that you believe and receive this report, here's what's about to happen, is the arm of the Lord is revealed to you. You're going to go into all the world, and you're going to preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes, someone say believe. You've got to believe this report. Jesus begins to define a believer. He says, look, a believer is baptized. If you're here today, and you've not been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, I ask you, do you believe what you believe, because a believer is baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the mission of sins. If you really believe this, he says in verse 17, look at, these are the signs that follow those believers. In my name, in Jesus' name, they're going to cast out devils. Literally, devils will be coming out of people, but also the devils, any evil, any wickedness, any sin, anything that's not of God can come out of your life. I believe alcohol, that, all of that, and that spirit, the devil's behind all of this alcohol and drunkenness. This methamphetamines, this marijuana, this nicotine, all the devil's behind all that stuff. This divorce rate, the devil's behind all this stuff. This pornography epidemic, the devil's behind all this stuff. He, he knows the appetite of our flesh, and he is so propped up this stuff in front of us where it's so accessible, where he just kind of sits back on a recliner and he's not doing anything. He's just letting society deteriorate as we just kind of decay from the works of our flesh but he says look if you're a believer you're going to get that devil stuff out of you 
I'm telling you right now, whatever your hang-up is, whatever your vice is, whatever your addiction is, whatever your emotion is, whatever your prison is, right now, God said, if you believe this report, I'm telling you, this report says that that demonic force is coming out of your life. Because what this believer does, this believer repents. This believer gets old things passing away and all things becoming new. This believer has access to the baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to wash away that passion. And this believer, look, these signs shall follow them that believe they shall speak with new tongues. You're going to get the Holy Ghost. Or if you have not spoken in tongues in a long time, God is about to say, if you believe this report today, my arm's going to be revealed and you're going to be refilled in the Holy Ghost today. If you haven't talked in tongues in a few weeks, if you haven't talked in tongues in a few months, if you haven't talked in tongues in a few years, right now, if you believe this report, the arm of the Lord is about to be revealed to somebody today. And you're going to come to this altar today. And God's going to re-baptize you with the power of the Holy Ghost. If you believe that, would you clap your hands to the Lord? In all the gates of hell that storm us, all life situations that come against us, he says, look, it's not going to harm you. It's not going to hurt you. Look, he didn't say, he didn't promise that the snake wouldn't bite you, but he did promise the venom doesn't have to get into you. Uh, you're going to get bitten by the snake. You're going to get stung by society. You're going to get stung by life. You're going to get stung by the serpent, but you don't have to let the venom pump through your veins. You got to make up in your mind, I am not going to let life's venom go through my veins. I got the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm a child of God. I've been baptized in in his name. I got the blood of Jesus going through my veins. I'm not going to let the venom of this world. Come on, I wish there was somebody right now that would receive that word. You got to get bitterness out of you. You got to get unforgiveness out of you. You got to get blame out of you. And you got to say, in the name of Jesus, I've been bitten by that serpent, but I rebuke it in Jesus' name. I tread on that serpent in Jesus' name. I put that enemy under my feet in Jesus' name. I put unforgiveness under my feet in Jesus' name. I am a child of God. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Come on, would you shout under God with the voice of triumph. And after the Lord spoke to them, he gave them the report because they believed it. And all of a sudden, as he sits on the right hand of God, we're about to see the right hand of God extended out to us. We're about to see that mighty hand stand out to us right now. In Jesus' name. And they went forth. See, what happened when they believed the report and when they received the report that right hand of God was revealed to them because what this scripture means it's not talking about a geographical location on God's throne the right hand of God is talking about the power of God the authority of God when you talk to somebody that's that you rely on you call him your right hand man you don't say well this is my left hand man you don't hear about the left hand of God all throughout Scripture. You hear about the right hand of God because that is authority, that is power, that's jurisdiction, that's everything. And so the moment they believed the report of the Lord, they realized that Jesus Christ had all authority and he had all power. And now they're about to see the right hand of God revealed to them. And so they go forth, they preach everywhere, and check this out. Who hath believed this report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? It was revealed to them. How do we know? The Lord worked with them 
and confirmed the word. He confirmed the report with signs following. And somebody say amen. Somebody say amen. Can we lift our hands right now up to heaven? Come on, I want, I, I, don't just do it just to do it, but do it out of faith. Not out of feeling, but out of faith. Would you just extend your arms towards heaven? And would you begin to call on the name of Jesus right now? Come on, by faith. By faith. Not by feeling. By faith. By faith. In the name of Jesus. I believe the scripture. I believe the scripture. I believe the resurrection. I believe the resurrection. I believe the report. I believe the blood. I believe the blood speaks better things. Come on, by faith. Just say it by faith. Come on, I know you're weary in body. I know you're weary in mind. But by faith, would you call on the name of Jesus? By faith, would you lift up your hands? By, not by feeling, by faith. In the name of Jesus, I humble myself and I obey you, God. And I extend my hands to heaven to see the arm of the Lord revealed. Would you clap your hands to the Lord? God's about to confirm his word to those who believe his report. Who hath believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Let's stand together. There's a lot of neat information I would like to go through, and I enjoy going through to try to somewhat prove or disprove the resurrection. I, I, I like books on apologetics. I like books like uh, The Case for Christ. I like, I like books like uh, uh, New Evidence that Demands a Verdict by Josh McDowell. I like that kind of writing, Lee Strobel and Josh McDowell. I, I like that kind of stuff. Ravi Zacharias, I, I, I like reading books on apologetics and trying to bring some understanding, some logic, some rationale to what we believe. But at the end of the day, you could try to explain the resurrection all you want, and you could try to line up all the artifacts of extra-biblical history to prove the existence of a historical Jesus and the absence of of his body. You, you, you can lay it all out to try to get someone that is a, uh, a thinker to think and consider these things. But every thinker, every rational person still has to take this particular step. It's a step of faith. It really is. Because it don't make sense. And you got to be somewhat comfortable in your own skin when you're talking with an agnostic, an atheist, or even the sect of Christianity that doesn't even believe. There, there's a third of Christianity that doesn't even believe in the afterlife or the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. But they think we're crazy because you took a step they didn't take. And that is Jesus Christ is not dead. He rose from the dead and he is alive. When you make that statement of faith and you make that bold proclamation, you do not have to feel insecure or inferior about that statement. To talk to people about speaking in other tongues, to talk to people about 
uh, people being healed, people coming out of wheelchairs, people being healed of diseases. It makes absolutely no sense. It sounds crazy. But I promise you, you just have to believe the report. It takes a step of faith. You may never have her. There was, what, three years, uh, three years ago. We have a documented miracle at the Sioux Falls Church. We are preaching, and, and uh, at, there is a sickness uh, of a child that was not there. They were in the hospital. They had a tumor on their brain. They were a newborn child. And we begin to pray the prayer of faith, and we begin to prophesy to the wind, and we grab the handkerchief, just like it says in Acts 19. We poured the bottle of oil on it, and we gave that. It actually wasn't a handkerchief. I can't remember the name of the cloth that the, the, the immigrants there used to carry their babies but we anointed that. We gave it to the mother. She went back to the hospital with that and put it on the baby and God removed the tumor miraculously. It is documented. There is the the, the MRIs or whatever you call it, the scans from one to the other. But see, that's still not going to sway some people's mind. Just like Jesus performed miracles in front of the Pharisees' eyes. He's standing there. There's a man with his arm withered and he says, stretch forth your hand. The arm goes out in front of them and they get even more ticked off. It doesn't matter how much evidence you can try to provide for someone. At the end of the day, we cannot solely rely on the miraculous because sometimes the miraculous just tick people off even more. Pharaoh, miracle after miracle, callous after callous after callous after callous, got more resistant, got more obstinate. At the end of the day, someone's got to say, I just simply believe the scripture. I believe God. You got to make the statement like Paul said to the Romans in 3, 4. Let God be true and every man a liar. You got to make the statement like Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1, 2. The promises of God in him are yea and in him amen. You got to make that promise and proclamation like Hebrews 6, 18. There's two immutable things about God. It is impossible for God to lie. Whatever God has proclaimed, it's going to come to pass. But God prophesied he was going to die he was going to be buried. He was going to rise again. And sure enough, they're still trying to find that body. Jesus Christ is alive. Let's gather around this altar right now if you believe the report. I'm going to give some instruction. We're going to pray in the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I really do believe that God is about to reveal his arm to somebody. Mm. <laughs> in the name of Jesus. Who wants the arm of the Lord revealed to them today? If you want the arm of the Lord revealed to you today, you got you have to listen to this instruction. I'm going to give some instruction, and if you don't listen to the instruction, you're not going to see the arm of the Lord revealed to you. If I say lift up your voice and you don't lift up your voice, the arm of the Lord is not going to be revealed to you today. If I say let's lift up our hands, you don't lift up your hands, you are just showing that you do not believe the report, and you refuse the report, you doubt the report, the arm of the Lord will not be extended to you today. I don't, say, I don't control God. I don't control a spirit at all. That's not what I'm saying. It's just a step of faith is all it is. It's humbling oneself and by faith stepping out and say, I believe the report. And when God sees that spirit of humility and submission, that all of a sudden the authority, the hand, the right hand of God is revealed because that centurion soldier, he says, Jesus, I don't need you to come to my house. I'm a man under authority. I understand how authority works. And when you're under the authority, the mighty hand of 
of God. He just speaks the word and the sick are healed. God is about to perform a miracle for somebody today. If you just believe the report. I shared this with the discipleship group of the teens just uh, Thursday in, in Pastor Jared's class on uh, Thursday after school. I don't think I shared this with the church yet. And then we're going we're gonna to pray right now and the arm of the Lord is going to be extended. I was, I was in California on vacation, and we were preaching at the, the youth worker session for the district. And when we were preaching there, I was, I was praying for a man. And I put, I put my hand on, on the man's ears. It was a young man. He was a, a worker. And I started praying for him. I just said, God, open up this man's ears to hear your voice more clear than he's ever here. Let him hear your voice, God. Let him be sensitive. And I was just praying that. Now, I know, I think I remember what I meant by that. But he received the report as something different. And I didn't know what his report or diagnosis was. I got a message through social media the other day, uh, the other week. His father, who I do not know, contacts me. He says, I know you don't know this about my son, but you prayed this prayer. And he explained what I prayed over his son. He says, you didn't know this, but my son was deaf in his ear. And when you begin to pray that God would open up his ear to hear the voice of God, God unlocked his ear and he could hear clearly. God healed him. I didn't know. And that is no credit to me. All he did was simply believe the report. It had nothing to do with insight or revelation that I had. I just made a prayer over him. And he said that I believe that report. And the arm of the Lord was revealed. I believe in this resurrected Savior called Jesus Christ. I believe with his stripes we are healed. And so this is what I want you to do. If you believe this report, I want you to close your eyes. And I don't want you looking around. And I want you to stand up. And I want you to posture yourself to receive from God and I want you to lift your hand up to heaven and by faith in your mind's eye see that report written whatever it is you're praying about if you need the Holy Ghost believe that report says you receive the Holy Ghost if you need to be renewed in the Holy Ghost believe that report says you are renewed in the Holy Ghost if you need a healing in your body begin to believe the report that with his stripes you are healed if you need to be set free from the pressure of your peers believe the report of the Lord that you are more than a conqueror through Christ whatever it is let God be true right now come on lift up your voice you're not going to get it with a whisper you're not going to get it mumbling would you lift up your voice right now I pray by the power and the authority according to the word of God by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that rose from the dead with your stripes we are healed right now go ahead and receive it right now